0: I'm Carly.
1: I'm Jenna. And this is Taylor Taylor Lovers. Lovers.
0: This is our very first episode, completely improvised. Yeah. Of a podcast that we are starting that might have zero listeners. Might. Who the heck cares? Not us. Jenna, tell us about the podcast.
1: All right. So (laughs) this came about because. I recently went through a real dark time in my life and Taylor was the thing that got me out of it. And then I just found this, started reading about her career and I heard this other podcast that The Ringer does about all of her different albums and I was fascinated by it and I was like, I could talk about this for days and days and days and I want to do like the deepest dive possible on this because there's so much to sink your teeth into and I texted Carly kind of as a joke and was like should we start a podcast called Taylor Talk and she was like yeah so <laughs> yes
0: I was like hell yes and then we found out apparently Taylor Talk has already taken it's great taken. title in full respect to that podcast yeah uh but because Lover is really a banger of an album my
1: favorite album it
0: is probably mine too. every day my favorite Taylor Swift album changes <laughs> but Lover is up there I was like What about Taylor Lovers? Yeah. And it just has a nice ring to it, so there we are. And we can talk a little bit about what we're going to do on this podcast, because Mm -hmm. Jenna already has a highly comprehensive programming (laughs) schedule planned out, so do you want to kind of dive into what the podcast format is going to be like after this debut episode where we just yammer on for an hour about Taylor
1: Swift? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We know there are other Taylor Swift podcasts out there, including the ones that we have already referenced. There are probably more. But we just wanted an excuse to sit down with each other on a regular basis and talk about Taylor and our experiences with her. Um, So we're going to do a song by song analysis of all of her work. We're going to go through every single song that she's ever done, bonus tracks included, and we're going to talk about them in different categories. Mm -hmm. Um, So to keep each episode from getting to be too long. We thought we'd do, like, five songs for one episode. And um, then at the end of that, we would do a recap of the entire album. we talk about things like her sequencing choices, Mm -hmm. um, if there are any songs that we would cut, uh, just overall feel of the album, what she's laying the groundwork for in, like, moving forward in her career. Um, And so when we're talking about each song, um, we'll, we'll talk about the context of where she was in her career mm-hmm. um, at the time that the album came out, and that'll give us some insight as to what these songs are about and how she wrote them. Um, so we're going to talk about the meaning of the song, mm-hmm. the song production, mm-hmm. best lyrics. I'm going to just say plural lyrics because I <laughs> how can you pick one out of any of her songs? That's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> best musical moment or moments. Any critique that we would have of that song. Music video, if there is a music video for it. Any notable live performances, because there are so many. So many. Mm -hmm. Um, Any Easter eggs and uh, hints into what the song is about or who the song is about. Liner notes that have hidden messages, uh, which obviously is only for her first five albums. Right, right. And then um, our personal history with the song, if we have a personal history <laughs> with the song. And then just our overall rating. And then I thought at the end, with our final episode, mm-hmm. um, we could do a ranking of oh, nice our, our favorite songs on that entire album. So oh, ranking nice. them one, two, whatever. Oh, that's awesome. So,
0: yeah. Love it. This is going to be so much fun. So much fun. And this is going to be especially fun because I know that for me... Again, and I've told you this, I have zero history with anything before Red. Yeah. I am aware of some of the singles. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember Teardrops on My Guitar. Of course. And um, I think I remember... Oh, I remember... What's that song about... This is going to be how I'm going to sound like such an idiot. slamming Screen Doors. Our song. Our song,
1: yes. Iconic. Yes,
0: iconic. I remember that one. But I really have no concept of of the albums as a whole or where those songs fall in the lineup or mm-hmm. what the rest of the tone of the albums are. So this is going to be very exciting because yeah. it's like, oh, a whole catalog of Taylor Swift stuff that I'm completely unaware of at this point in my life. So let's be great. Let's talk a little bit about your history with Taylor. Yes. Oh, I would love to. Okay. So... Let's see. I was definitely one of those jerks in (laughs) high school who was like, I was going to say a Taylor hater, but I wasn't really a hater because Mm -hmm. I wasn't on social media. So I wasn't like a troll or anything like that. I was basically just a hipster. And anytime anyone brought up Taylor Swift, I'd be like, okay, like (laughs) I listened to Fleetwood Mac. Like I don't need to, I listened to the Eagles, which to be fair was true. I was Mm -hmm. kind of an old soul with music. I listened to a lot of oldies and I was very snobby and uppity about anything in the top 40. Because that was my whole image in high school was like, "I'm I'm too good for that. Like it was terrible. I yeah. was insufferable in high school. Um, so while all of my friends, all of my girlfriends, I remember being really excited, like every time she would put out a new album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, whatever. And, uh, and then I got into college. I grew a soul. I became far <laughs> less of an insufferable human being. And uh, my very first, the very first time that I ever sort of paused and gave Taylor Swift a moment... Mm-hmm was in i want to say it was 2012 Mm -hmm. and my friend emily and i were in the art studio at w at my college washington and jefferson college here in pittsburgh or near pittsburgh and um it was really late at night and we would go in there and draw to catch up on assignments and she was streaming Mm -hmm. music from her phone and a song came on and it was i knew you were trouble and at the time, dubstep was such a big thing, yeah. and I'm very—I have a very eclectic taste in music, so I really—I was into dubstep for a while, and I asked Emily, "What? What is this? Who is this?" She's like, "It's Taylor Swift." I was like, "No, Taylor, not, Taylor Swift is like country, isn't she? That's not Taylor Swift." She's like, "She's putting out a new album, and we all have a feeling that it's gonna be." really edgy and different and Ugh. you know or something like that I don't know if the album had necessarily come out but she started talking about how either the music Taylor was about to put out or something she had already just put out or just put out recently was way off brand and it mm-hmm. was very exciting
1: so yeah and, such a moment in history right
0: and yeah. and looking back I really now appreciate what a moment it was and so mm. I was just like, oh, cool, okay. I, I'm going to have to kind of keep an eye out for this kind of thing and, and listen to her a little bit more. And I Knew your Trouble obviously was huge, mm-hmm. and I remember it being on the radio all the time, and I really liked it. Uh, but I never listened to all of Red, and I didn't have a Spotify at the time, so the music wasn't really easily accessible. If I was going to listen to something, I was buying it, So, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really a Taylor Swift fan, so I didn't dive into the rest of Red. But I loved that song. And then... Fast forward, oh my gosh, five years? No, longer, eight years? 2012 to basically 2019. Wow. Yeah. And I'm always aware of Taylor Swift, right? Who isn't? Because she's yeah. always in the news, and she always has a million singles on the radio. And um, and I will admit, I really liked all of the singles that came out from 1989. Mm-hmm. I remember when those were huge hits, like Style mm-hmm. and, um, and some of those other songs. And uh, again, I had a moment where I was like, oh, this is Taylor Swift? Oh, sick. Like, this is a bop. I love it. Yeah. Um, but never really listened to the full discography. And then, now fast forward to 2019, mm-hmm. Lover comes out. Mm-hmm. And... I had a moment where I'm thinking, oh, okay. New album, I'm here, I'm aware of it. it like I think that maybe Spotify just recommended it to me. It was like, out today. Yeah. And I looked at the album cover and I'm like, that looks really cute and fluffy and fun and happy. Yeah. I wanna check this out. And I listened to the whole thing, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. <laughs> I I, just, I remember texting Bill. And being like... (laughs) my Joe, I don't know if I'm going to use his code name. I My fiance, Bill. I said, have you listened to Taylor Swift's new album? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, but I heard that she put out an album. I was like, listen to it. I'm like, I'm not even a Taylor Swift fan. I know nothing about her music. I know a couple singles, whatever. I'm like, this is genius. It's brilliant. The yeah. lyrics, oh my god, death by a thousand cuts, <laughs> uh, stab me in the heart, yeah. lover is beautiful. I want to dance to it at our wedding. And it's amazing. And every song is incredible and just could not get an Enough of it and listen yeah. to it a million times over and a million times over then took some time to start going back and dabbling more into 1989 diving a little bit deeper mm-hmm. i listened to a lot of reputation i didn't love reputation there were a couple songs on it that i thought were jams yeah i love um what's the one where she's like you're so gorgeous i hate you so much gorgeous. It, oh gorgeous yeah. perfect <laughs> love that song um, but yeah, and now we're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so immediately after I became an official Taylor Swift so fan when Lover came out, mm-hmm. uh, we go into a horrible year. Yeah, COVID nineteen, terrible. Everybody's in quarantine, miserable, lonely, nothing to do. Yeah, boredom twenty four seven. And she puts out two albums. She's amazing. She's incredible. She's a machine. And both of those, same reaction I had to love her. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, genius. Every single word Mm -hmm. is like the most beautifully crafted poem of a Mm -hmm. sentence that you could ever come up with. And she finds ways to articulate feelings that you've you've never heard before. Yeah. And it's amazing when you compare and I'm like monopolizing the time right now oh, on this on this podcast. <laughs> she, <laughs> it's amazing when you compare what she does with a lot of other top 40 artists, mm-hmm. not knocking top 40.
1: Yeah.
0: High school me was knocking top 40. I now am a much more sane person. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? There's a place for pop music. Yeah. There's a place for songs that are mostly bass drops and great beats and yeah. very little lyrical substance. That's mm-hmm. all good. And I can rock out to that stuff just as much as the next person. Um, but it's, it's just a different tier of songwriting, in my opinion, of oh, yeah. what she's creating. Um, and I saw that she and Paul McCartney were on the cover of Rolling Stone together like yeah. not that long ago. And I don't think I actually read the, the cover story, but I remember reading a little blurb on the cover, and I think there was a quote of, uh, from Paul McCartney about her mm-hmm. and I and I'm not going to quote it because I don't remember what he said but the summary of it was she's the greatest songwriter of this generation. Absolutely. And like absolutely. That is absolutely. 100% true. I'm amazed it took me this long to see it and quite mm-hmm. frankly I think the only reason that I didn't until now is not because her early stuff wasn't good. I think mm-hmm. it was in part, part because I didn't really like country music. So when she was really country, I mm-hmm. was never going to get into that anyway just because right. it wasn't really my genre. Um, And then when she started to get more poppy, I was just kind of, you know, not paying attention to the mainstream, to like top 40 stuff. I was still living in oldie land, but I was starting to acknowledge the singles. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wish... back then I had gotten into it because it would have been great to have been experiencing the excitement like of new album releases as they were happening yeah so I do kind of look back and think man why didn't I jump on this bandwagon earlier yeah um but I'm better late than never I'm here now she's a goddess she's amazing yeah and there we go
1: (laughs) and you know I think what's great is that We almost get to be back on that train when she's doing all her re-releases. That's true, actually.
0: Like, the first six
1: albums are the first six that I think both of us in some way or another slept on. Mm -hmm. And now we get to be back in that place where we get to be excited about it. I mean, I know since she announced that she was going to be re-recording her music and since November of 2020 when she's been legally able to Mm -hmm. re-record her music, it's been like searching her Instagram posts for (laughs) Easter eggs and looking at all of her tweets and like examining them like FBI agents and trying to figure out the clues of like what's next what's next and there are all these theories out there and that's it's so exciting to be a part of that so I mean not ideal circumstances that she has to be re-recording her music because it sucks what happened to her in the first place but at the same time super fun experience for us who are a little bit late to the game and also um you know it's gonna be so interesting to see how she redoes all this stuff so like we have an idea of what's coming out where people didn't before this stuff came out originally but we're getting new songs at least on fearless and she's gonna be redoing them in a way that's gonna be really interesting because listen if there's anything we know about taylor it's that She does everything very purposefully. Oh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I can guarantee that every single re-recording on her new stuff, on all of Taylor's versions, is going to be so interesting. There's going to be a lot to dive into and enjoy. And we've got six albums to look forward to. yes. So much fun. So exciting. What a powerhouse. I can't believe how much content she's able to put out. Yeah, it's amazing. In such a short amount of Mm -hmm. time. I mean, like, I don't... Even, like, you and I are both big One Direction fans. Yes, huge One Direction fans. (laughs) You're the one who introduced me. Loud and proud. To One Direction. (laughs) Those, I mean, when we thought back on their career, they're putting out one album a year and they're touring it every year, Mm -hmm. and that seemed like, boy, that's like a breakneck pace for an artist. Uh, She put out two albums last year, (laughs) has already re-recorded at least one, maybe two, because she released that Taylor's version of Wildest Dreams already. So... We know that she's already at least starting to re-record 1989 mm-hmm. for albums in, like, less than a year. Less than a year. Who knows what else she's already done that she just <sighs> hasn't told us about. Yeah. So, I, I am not thrilled on her part for the reason no. why she has to do the re-recordings, mm-hmm. but... In our part it feels like a little bit of like a second chance to like yeah. to enjoy the experience that we didn't fully enjoy at the time. Yeah,
0: completely. And yeah, it's such it's so unfortunate that uh, the whole, you know, deal with her old record company and everything yeah. like that that all had to happen at the same time. It is um a power move Absolutely. that she's able to do that, and yeah. um, and just how rewarding of an experience too for an artist, especially someone who started as young as she did, mm-hmm. because in my opinion, from the brief. Uh, sort of foray that I did into some of her older stuff like in, in Red and like dabbling in the singles from before Red mm-hmm. I listened to her voice then and I listen to it now and I really do think that she has gotten so much stronger she has. vocally yeah right Um, it's and, and and that's not a knock against you know her as a singer I think if you're singing when you're 13 or 16 or whatever, your voice is just not developed. It's going to change over time. And she now is in this place where she has this incredible range and we'll talk about this like whenever we're actually reviewing the albums, but one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things stylistically that she does and I wonder if this is a Jack Antonoff thing because Mm -hmm. he does it a lot in his music too is that he layers her singing at different octaves. Mm -hmm. So she's singing it, you know, here in her regular conversational register and then the same lyrics, the same notes in in a higher uh octave yeah. and layers them on top of each other and it's beautiful and you're like, wow, I don't even know if you would have been able to do that and have it sound that good when you were 18 because you've yeah. rehearsed so much and, and honed your craft so much. But anyway. And I think Love Story,
1: Love Story Taylor's <laughs> yes. version is a great mm-hmm. example of that. Absolutely. Because if you listen mm-hmm. to the original one, There are male vocals in the Mm -hmm. background. There are voices that aren't hers. And if you listen to the re-record, it's all her just singing at different harmonies. What a
0: queen. (sighs) All right, so your turn. What is your history with Taylor, So Taylor?
1: One of my biggest regrets in life is that I didn't just stay a Taylor fan from day one. I was a fan at the beginning of her career. I remember being at a friend's house when I was in probably middle school. And uh, my friend saying, there's this like great new artist Taylor Swift. She's got this song called Our Song. It's so fun. And I was like, "I don't like country music." And they were like, "Just just watch the music video with us." And I was like, "Okay, fine." And I watched it and I was like, "Damn it. I like this song. Like this is a really good song." And then afterwards, I was I saw the CD and I was like, "You know, that was a good song, and my parents got the CD for me, so I listened to her debut album probably at the end of middle school, um, and then Fearless came out. I remember listening to Fearless quite a bit. I was, I was into Fearless. Um, Speak Now was probably the last album of hers that I was like really into when it came out. Um, I actually did go to the Speak Now concert. And oh, no way. I didn't know that. It was a friend of mine in high school had tickets and at the very, it was like the night before the concert. She was like, hey, do you want to come to the Taylor Swift concert with me? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> and it was like nosebleed seats at cool. Heinz Stadium. So nosebleed it was, seats are the
0: best. <laughs> it,
1: and I remember thinking like, this is so theatrical. I think it was the, cur- the first concert I ever went to. Um. And she, I remember there being, like, huge set pieces and lots of costume changes, and it was just, like, super over the top. The stadium was packed. It was, like, it was an experience, and it was really cool. Um, And then after that, I started getting into the place of similar to you where... I don't know why I think I'm too good for things sometimes. You and me both. But, like... Especially it, in high school. It was, like, you know, if, if it was too popular, then it was not cool not to cool. like it. Which doesn't make any sense. Because if it was super popular, then probably it was good. And it was good. But I was not into it at the time. And um, so I kind of, like, fell off of my Taylor fandom for a little bit. Um I was really into Maroon 5 at this point in my life, which I know, you know, a lot of people don't like Maroon 5, but... We could do a whole (laughs) podcast,
0: not about Maroon 5, about your relationship with Maroon 5. We totally could. That's just a a little side note that I wanted to throw in there. Continue. I, I
1: mean, as a person... When I like something, I'm, like, really into it, and as soon as I heard songs about Jane by Maroon 5, I was like, this is my thing now, and Adam's really handsome, so I'm gonna be really into him for a while, so for, like, the first, like, the end of high school, first couple years of college, it was all Maroon 5 all the time, there was no room for anything else, and then um, I remember at the end of, well, no, I had graduated college, 1989 came out, This was the time where everything in the media was, like, she's a serial dater. All she does is, like, pick men up and throw them out so she can write songs about them. Don't go near her. And she's overrated and she can't sing and all this, like, just a lot of, like, really mean stuff was out about her. And I regret this deeply. I Like, this is, like, something I feel like I'm going to be, like, apologizing for for the rest of my life. But I was, like, yeah. I don't like Taylor Swift. Oh, she's yeah. not. She's she does do that, and and if I hear a song by her, I'm gonna pretend like I don't like it because I feel like I shouldn't based on what I'm hearing around me. It wasn't, it wasn't great. I I really should have been thinking more for myself. I will say though, when 1989 came out, at the same time that I'm saying I don't like Taylor Swift, she is a serial dater and she's blah blah blah. I was listening to 1989 constantly. <laughs> And, like, at the time, my roommate I was living with, we would go out to, we had just turned 21, we'd, uh-huh. we'd go out to dinner, we'd have, like, a couple of drinks, and on the way home, uh, in in a Lyft or an Uber or whatever, yes, we yes. Went, We weren't driving drunk, mm-hmm. we'd be like, can you turn on Taylor Swift? And we always joked that we were, like, closeted Taylor Swift fans, because it didn't seem acceptable for us to like her like, yeah. in public, but when, as soon as we had, like, one margarita in us, we were like, play our song, <laughs> like, not even, like, pop Taylor Swift, old it was, Taylor like, Swift. old school, we, like, we were just, I, I think I've genuinely been a fan this whole time, and just for a while, I felt like I needed to put it in the closet, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, what society was saying, which yeah. I still feel bad about, um, and then, so, 1989 came out, I was into it, but wouldn't talk about it a whole lot. When Reputation came out, I felt like I first of all I didn't understand the full story when it first came out. It was I'd heard like bits and pieces about there's this Kanye song and there's this video of her or whatever, yeah. and I listened to it and I thought these, a lot of these songs sound like feel bad for me because something bad happened to me, but like like you have like the dream life for a pop star, so I don't know how bad I feel for you. And so I kind of, like, dismissed Reputation at the time. I was like, eh, this isn't for me. And, and all these songs are about how she's drinking and having sex. And I'm like, you're 30. Who cares? Like, this isn't edgy. And, again, like, I'm apologizing for all of that now because I love Reputation. It's a yeah, great album. Yeah, you do. I
0: mean, I know for a fact that you do. So that's a, it's a 180. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's and, fun
1: to talk about it
0: now in hindsight. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's funny because Lover was also the turning point for me. Uh. When Lover came out, um, my brother texted me, and he he has, like, very eclectic music taste. He likes a little bit of everything. Is this Tim or Luke? Luke, oh, okay. my younger brother. Okay. And he was like, you have to listen to this new song from Taylor Swift. And he listed a couple of them. Paper Rings was the one that he was like. Oh, I love that song. you got to listen to Paper Rings. And I was like, okay, another <laughs> Taylor Swift album that I'm probably not going to like. I listened to I Forgot That You Existed, and by the time that song ended, I was like, I'm on board. <laughs> Who, whoever can write a song like this and that's the opening to your album, yes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm 100% on board for this. And that was where everything changed, where I was like, I I love Lover. It's my favorite album of hers. I've listened to it so many times that my dog can't stand it anymore, and he howls whenever I listen to it. Um, I, I since then, have been, like, like, traveling back through her discography. I love all of them now. I mean, like... Reputation's great. Red, Whew. Great. I mean, like yeah. we'll talk about it when we get to that <sighs> episode. But that album is deeply personal for me. That's like mm-hmm. a, a hard hitter album. Like if you've experienced the kind of stuff she's singing about, you understand. Like mm-hmm. that's a cut to the core kind of album. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I haven't spent a lot of time with her debut album since then because I'm still not a big country fan. Mm-hmm. But like. I. She's amazing. She's an amazing songwriter. The more I learn about her as an artist and as a businesswoman, I have so much respect for her. Nothing but respect. Yeah. So... That was also very long-winded, but that's my history no, with Taylor. <laughs> I'm so
0: glad it was, because I don't feel left out anymore. Um, and, but you know what? It has to be, because we have to we have to lay it all out there. Yeah. And it's helpful for us, too, or at least it is for me, to think back on it and really think it through. Because I haven't really, I've never done that before. No mm-hmm. one's ever asked me, like, what's your journey with Taylor Swift? <laughs> like, oh, funny you should ask. <laughs> um, yeah, that's
1: interesting that Lover was the turning point for both of us. You know what also really changed my mind. Uh-huh. In addition to Lover, was the turning point as far as how I felt about her music mm. of, of like, okay, I'm going to start accepting that I like Taylor Swift music now. The other turning point for me was watching the Netflix documentary Miss America. Yes. Uh-huh. Did you? When did you watch that in your Taylor journey? Um, I think I watched it
0: fairly soon after it came out, mm-hmm. and so at that point, I know for a fact that when I watched that. Documentary. I had already heard Lover, mm-hmm. and I had been obsessed with it, and had been listening to it nonstop for probably at least uh, I don't know how long it w- it was between the album release and the documentary. Mm-hmm. But however long that length of time was, mm-hmm. that's how deeply invested I was in the album Lover, mm-hmm. and I had definitely decided at that point, like I'm a Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. Granted, I still didn't know a whole lot about the sort of media frenzy around her, Mm -hmm. because like you, um, and I will let you get back to the documentary in a second, but as a sort of side note here, you had mentioned that when everybody started talking about how she's a serial dater Mm -hmm. and really just slamming her reputation, like in tabloids and stuff. um, I also was vaguely aware that that was all going on, but because I am not on Twitter and I'm kind of far removed from social media in general, Mm -hmm. I didn't, really read enough of it to to form opinions on it so like you Mm -hmm. same thing and I also feel really bad about it I just kind of jumped on the bandwagon was like oh well guess Taylor Swift is a terrible person like and isn't that isn't that tragic yeah that the the media has that much power that if something Mm -hmm. is said enough times and in enough ways from enough sources and you're not a person who's who's you know, taking the time to sit down and really do the research and dive mm-hmm. in, you could be being f- you could be getting fed information that is completely false, or if not completely false, completely biased and completely slanted. Mm-hmm. So I also feel terrible about that. Yeah. Um. And so, looping this back to the documentary now, when I watched the documentary, I had decided at that point, due to Lover, that I really liked Taylor Swift,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the documentary completely opened my eyes to what she had been dealing with during those 1989 to reputation years and how unfair it all was and how it was founded on, nothing yeah and when you look at the amount of men she's dated compared to like some of the other male pop stars in the industry and what they compared were doing to the amount of men i've dated and oh, i mean same. <laughs> me too yeah i'm not a pop star yeah it's crazy and so the documentary when it came out i i was already already at that point considered myself a fan and then had my eyes open to what she had been dealing with all those years that i thought i didn't like her mm-hmm. and was like okay I completely respect her now and yeah. feel like I am finally educated enough to realize that I was being an idiot and yeah. was forming opinions based on nothing. So,
1: Well, and I think that was what what really opened my eyes in that documentary was like realizing that, oh, everything that I had been consuming that had been making me think that I didn't like Taylor Swift or that it wasn't okay to like Taylor Swift because she dates guys sometimes. <laughs> um, it was all based in just misogyny. I mean, like we could talk for a very long time about how media has really like just been super misogynistic towards Taylor mm-hmm. Swift and built this narrative around her that they would never do with a male artist, mm-hmm. no matter how many women they date or whoever, however, whatever kind of person they want to date, mm-hmm. they would, they would never get the kind of flack that Taylor got. And I mean, like it, I'm not going to like go on a whole like bandwagon about this, but watching that documentary it it not only made me like realize she really got the short end of the stick here on a lot of this but also like hey i haven't been able to enjoy one of these artists who i really really like because i've been playing into the misogyny of the media like, I not only feel bad, but I feel mad. Like, they took this away from... We could have gone to the 1989 World Tour if we would have just accepted that we liked Taylor Swift. Right. And I think something that I've come to realize recently in my adult life... I'm 27. You're 28? Mm-hmm. Um. I Like, just in, like, the last year or two, I have just come to accept that if I like something, it's okay to like it, as long as it's not, like, hurting somebody else. So, like, I didn't, I didn't indulge in One Direction at all when it was, like, in its Mm -hmm. heyday, and you didn't either. either. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until you were like, hey, Jenna, listen to this song by One Direction. And I, I think I even said to you at the time, we were on vacation together, and I think I said to you at the time, like, one Direction.
0: <laughs> you totally did. I don't remember... It, it, but it was cute. It was in a very fun-loving way. Like, what? Like, since yeah. when are you into One Direction? Because yeah. because I've always been, again, kind of an old soul with music. And I was like, just trust me.
1: And it's... <laughs> why aren't we just allowed to like things? Like... I don't know. Why, why did we have to pretend like it's not fun to dance to One Direction or Taylor Swift or any other artist that's just a good, fun artist? And, and I mean... I will say, One Direction, love them, love their songs. They are nowhere near the caliber of songwriting
0: that Taylor <laughs> Swift is. That's fair. that's a completely fair assessment. <laughs> One Direction, I think, was really masterful in, in creating um, hooks. Mm-hmm. Great hooks. Great pop music. Absolutely. I, I think, especially 4. I think the album 4 was a breakthrough yeah. album. It should have been nominated for a Grammy, in my opinion. Um, and and they have a very specific talent for a very specific type of songwriting. Yeah, nothing that they write is going to send you into tears when no. you're in the car on your way home from a bad day at work and it's right. raining and you're you know mourning a breakup. Yeah. Like that's Taylor's territory.
1: Absolutely. And
0: she's a master in her own right. But yeah, you're right. It, it is there's a very interesting phenomenon in the world where. Liking things that are popular is somehow frowned upon or it's looked mm-hmm. at as lesser than or immature, or like you're not cultured or what have you. Yeah. Um, and and I, lots of other people, I'm sure, have talked about this way more articulately than I can, but um, a lot of it stems back to things that young women like. exactly, Which is so fascinating. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it's like, because of our preconceived notions about young women and girls mm-hmm. um, or um, people who identify as you know, women being um, invested in something or excited about something, it means mm-hmm. that it's childish. Yeah, And I don't know where that comes from. It seems like, I mean, probably from the just sort of infantilization of women stemming back generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, when did we decide that we're going to equate things that girls like with, like, being dumb or not worth our time. Yeah. And meanwhile you have some music snobs Mm -hmm. hate, they hate that one direction was, I believe the first boy band to have an album debut at number one on the billboard hot 100 in the United States the first European or, or foreign boy band to mm-hmm. have that happen since
1: the Beatles. I was just going to bring up the Beatles. Yeah, uh huh. And yeah. they
0: hate that. And no one wants to acknowledge. And who was the Beatles fan base? Young women. Young women. Teenage girls. Yeah. Anyone who watched Mad Men knows that (laughs) Sally Draper begged her dad, John Hamm, to take her to a Beatles concert and he was rolling his eyes, saying, Oh my gosh, like this dumb boy band, whatever. Yeah. And of course, I'm not saying that One Direction's songwriting is nearly as complex or musically complex as what the Beatles did, right? It's not. The Beatles it's like Sondheim, like the Mm. the songs that they wrote. It's crazy. There's a million chords and they're all over the place. It's very weird. Musician, musicianship wise, they're on a different league. But, the end of the day it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. like I don't want to sound like I'm completely discounting musicianship but if you if you're talking about success on charts and Mm -hmm. success in in the United States market in particular it doesn't really matter if you are some sort of musical protege it just Mm -hmm. matters if you can make a hook and you can make it good and that can make people feel something yeah and like who are you to tell me that I'm not allowed to feel something yeah so well, that's all I have to say about that.
1: It's, I mean, <laughs> I would love to see a person who is completing a PhD in gender studies mm. write a paper about the music industry's treatment of artists that young girls, young girls enjoy. Loved. And yep. not just enjoy, but I mean, like, you see the crowds for either Taylor Swift or One Direction. They're nuts. Wild. They like. Love these artists. <laughs> it's a little
0: scary sometimes. It's, it's a little
1: scary. I told you when
0: Kristen and I were at Niall Horan's concert yeah. with Flickr, we it was sardines. Yeah, I was terrified for my life, and this is my little <laughs> sister I'm talking about. So I was like, I was like trying to set up like a human blockade <laughs> so that she wouldn't get knocked over, and people were mad. Yeah, um, it was just wild, and I thought this is a tiny theater with 2,500 people. Imagine mm. what it would have been like Ugh. if we had gone to a stadium to see them.
1: Yeah, was crazy.
0: Which we didn't obviously because we weren't fans when they were touring but yeah yeah, it's really interesting
1: (laughs) and I remember hearing when Fearless came out Mm -hmm. um her debut album kind of had a slow start and then Mm -hmm. it like slowly grew a following and then by the time Fearless came out it was like blockbuster like huge huge and I remember hearing like critics didn't know what to make of this because they were like why is this this uh, this girl's singing about boys and heartbreak, and why is this so big? Ended up winning album of the year at the Grammys because right, yeah. she's amazing. She the youngest <laughs> person to ever win that category. I think she was at the time. I okay. don't know if she still is. Oh, I Billie think Eilish. Billie Eilish is now. I think you're right. Yeah. But um, but I and it was like these critics are so far up, and they're like, I'm the high I'm. Horse. I'm the person who conveys taste. I'm the, I'm the mm. tastemaker that they don't ever stop to consider that teenage girls not only like things, but we like really, really, really like things. And teenage girls are the people who will beg their parents to go buy the deluxe edition of the CD at midnight or take them to the concert or buy the merch or whatever. And, and we can be very persuasive. I'm speaking as someone <laughs> who used to be a teenage girl. Um, it's, If you've got teenage girls on your side, like you're, you've got a a career for yourself. And I think it's what's interesting about Taylor is watching the audience from from tour to tour, seeing how the that audience grows. Because it's, I was just watching a video the other day of um, her Fearless tour, and it's all like thirteen year old girls, and they're like, you know, screaming and crying and everything. (laughs) And then I was just yesterday, I watched a video of the 1989 tour. Yeah. And it's everybody. I mean, oh. there are still the teenage girls there. There are little, littler kids there, like younger kids there. There are adults there. There are guys there. Mm. They're like, I. it's like she had this ability of being able to like, not just keep her fan base. Grow it. But grow it by continuing to just make herself bigger and bigger and bigger Mm. and it's incredible i don't think in our lifetime we've seen anything like it with any other artist i mean one direction is the closest that i can think of as far as like the pure mania that's around a a person yeah i know ed sheeran's also very popular yeah Mm -hmm. um i think he had like the the biggest concert tour in the same year that she did her 1989 tour i could be completely off about that i think you're right about that um But, I mean, it's – she's just – she's so far ahead of everybody else who's even, like, remotely in the league (laughs) that she makes a very interesting study for something like a podcast. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, good stuff. I feel like we laid great – Great groundwork here. Yeah. This was super fun to just kind of go into the history, talk about like where we are now and how we've gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm like really psyched yeah. to dive into the old stuff and critique it and talk about it and, mm-hmm. and watch the it's like reliving her career. Yeah. Just reliving the growth. Um yeah. All right, so to Great. close out as we start to wrap up, do we wanna do something fun like toward the end of the episode we want to say like okay what's our maybe like what's our Taylor jam here and now mm. like what have we been rocking out to in the last couple days yeah yeah what are you feeling okay. lately
1: oh um I have recently been revisiting Red because mm. I didn't I didn't really like sink my teeth into that album when it first came out and when I've revisited it since then I've only usually made it to like all too well and then i'm i'm like okay i'm emotionally wrecked i gotta get out (laughs) i'm done um so i've recently been listening to the second half of red um which i've very much been enjoying and then if my dog would let me i would be listening to i think he knows off of lover because it's my favorite song of all time on any album ever um so what about you oh excellent so uh, to
0: just today, mm-hmm. I listened to l- the song lover quite Ugh. a bit. Um, because, again, it's just, it's so romantic. It is. And it is not, we, I, we, I have not picked it as my first dance song, but it was a contender yeah. for quite a while. And every single time I listen to it, I do, I always envision it being a dance with person I love. Like, yeah. because that's just what it feels like. Yeah. You know? And the music video for that um, song is so beautiful, too. And it And is. you think about, like, you know, dancing under Christmas lights, and mm-hmm. it's just, it, the imagery, it sends me to happy places. So definitely <laughs> love her. Ugh. Um, and then outside of that, I have been on like the biggest Evermore kick. Uh, I can't get off of it. Yeah, that album I think is pure genius. I think Folklore and Evermore are both amazing. Um, yeah, but on Evermore in particular, um, the song "Tis the Damn Season." Oh,
1: uh, so good. It's one of those things that it's, it's like. So good. Did she ever experience this kind of thing? Or is she just making it up from
0: around her? She's making it up, and you'd never know because that's how good of a songwriter she is. That's how good she is. And there was a moment on, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this thought. There was a moment on a recent episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour, another oh, yeah. great another great podcast Love it. that you turned me on to, actually, yeah. where I believe Stephen Thompson was, was critiquing Evermore with a co-host. Mm-hmm. And he uh, had uh, lots of very insightful things to say about the album. But he used a word to describe the song, Tis the Damn Season. And I'm fairly certain, I'm 90% sure that he said this song is simply magnificent. Yes. And he said that opening guitar riff is Uh, devastating. It is. I was like, Stephen Thompson, you just (laughs) nailed it. A magnificently devastating song. Mm -hmm. So every time I listen to that song, I need to pause every other aspect of my life (laughs) and just live in it. Excellent, amazing, show-stopping,
1: incredible. (laughs) Do you ever have to, like, remind yourself, like, Oh, that's not me. Like, I've got a happy relationship. Oh, straight up. Every time.
0: Every time. I, I will come out of that song, like, heaving for breath, like, as if I've been crying. And I'm just like, no, no, okay, it's not real. She takes us places. We can't help it. Yeah. Um. She's well, amazing. There we go. So that this was, was so our fun. first episode. Yeah. Got all kinds of good information out there. And the next time we come back with a, with a, a second episode, we will be talking about the first five songs, mm-hmm. right? Of her debut, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Until then, see y'all next time. Bye.